Well, the past couple of months, we have been going through the Psalms in light of the COVID virus, trying to really praise God, relate to God, listen to God, hear what He has to say to us. And uh, for me, if it's not obvious, I have a great love for the Psalms. And I, I remember I cried when I was done teaching through them verse by verse. I was hoping like I could get a chance to do them again. Didn't want it to come out this way. But there's another thing that's behind my love for the Psalms. And it has to do with time that I spend with God alone. A few years back, uh, we were at a men's retreat, and I was given a short time span to teach a session on uh, what's called intercessory prayer. We'll talk about what that means in a moment. And what I did was I taught it from sort of out of what the way I have really come to pray. And a lot of the guys said, you got to teach that to our whole church. And I, I, I never did. And so tonight I really want to do that. It's going to be different in, in some ways, but in some ways the same. And I'm going to make a big and bold statement to you that I think if you stick with this study all the way to the end, you have to stick with it all the way to the end, because the end is the most important part, that actually tonight could be a life-changing experience for many of you. I know that's a bold claim, but that's how much I believe in what we're going to be talking about tonight. So I asked you to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Let's read verse 14 and 15. The Apostle Paul writes, For as many are as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Love that, don't you? Love that. For you did, verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So that's over. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're not, glad you're here, and you can become one by putting your trust in Jesus. It's that simple. If you are a follower of Jesus, you can cry out to your heavenly Father. He says, by whom we cry out, Abba. Some people think it means Daddy. Some people think it's a bad singing group. Abba, Father. Now let's jump down to verse 26. He says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Now, what he says next is key. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession, we'll talk about that in a second, for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, what does intercession mean? Intercession means you pray for someone, uh, and it also can have to do with, it's a word that has to do with the meeting with a king or with your heavenly father. So you're coming to King Jesus, you're coming to your heavenly father, you're praying for someone. Verse 27, so he says the Holy Spirit is praying for you and for me because we don't know really how to pray. Verse 27, now he, I think that's God the Father, who searches the hearts, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because 
he, now I think that's the Holy Spirit, because we just heard about him, makes intercession for the saints. Let's stop right there for one second. Saints are just those who put their trust in Jesus. He prays for us. How does he pray for us? He answers it at the end of verse 27, according to the will of God. So the Holy Spirit knows that we don't know how to pray or what to pray, how we should do it. But he prays for us, searches our heart. God searches our hearts. The Holy Spirit prays for us according to the will of God. You got that? You got that? Okay. Verse 34. Who is he who condemns? Now, the answer is no one if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. And then the Apostle Paul tells us why. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who, talking about Jesus, is even at the right hand of God, who, talking about Jesus, also makes intercession for us. So the Holy Spirit's praying for us, and Jesus is praying for us too. And the title of our message tonight is this, Simple and Sustainable Prayer, something that is simple to do and sustainable, it's something you can keep it up, you can keep at it. If, if I were going to write a book, I might, for myself, I might call it Prayer for Dummies. You know those four dummy books? Prayer for Dummies. So I get, need to give you some of the history behind this way of praying and me. And again, it didn't originate with me. I just stumbled into something same thing when I do stuff for sermons. I, I, I work credit, I work the text, I work the text, and I think I'm the only guy who figured this out. And then I read some old dead guys, and I'm like, yeah, they figured it out hundreds of years before me. So anyway, when I first became a follower of Jesus Christ, which was 32 years ago, 32 years ago, I was seven. I see some of you snickering already. Okay, okay. 32 years ago, Certain Christians said certain things to me, and they were often said to me in a way, and those of you who are new, you probably know what I'm talking about. They were said to me in a way like I should already know them. For example, they would say, it's important to pray. Well, you didn't need to tell me that. I prayed my whole life. Whenever I wanted something, I prayed. I just ordered God's same-day delivery service. Hey, God, you know, hey, I want this now. Get this for me. Faster than prime delivery, kind of like getting a drone delivery. Just, God, bring it to me right now. And sometimes God came through, and sometimes he didn't. But I didn't really pray again until I wanted something else. Then I heard people say, no, 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 Jim, you got it all wrong. You got to pray every day. And I thought to myself, I'm not that greedy. I don't want that much stuff. I can't believe you're that greedy that you're just constantly asking God for stuff all day long. No, 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 no. You got it all wrong. You have to talk to God every day. Hmm, I thought. Interesting. Like, what would I say to God? Like, okay. Hey, God, how you doing? Well, I guess you're doing good. You're God. You, get your, you do whatever you want. So I didn't really get it. Finally, I had to confess to a friend, I really don't know what to say. 
because I'm trying to talk to God, but it feels like I'm saying the same stuff over and over again. And you know how it goes. There's only so many things we pray for. You pray for your problems. Maybe you pray for your job or school. Or you pray that, you know, maybe you, you, your future would be good. Or you could get some money or, or your finances, you know, or you, maybe your health or, or somebody in your family or something like that. Those are, those are basic things. Maybe when you get more mature, you pray for your, for your church. I hope you pray for your pastor. But you pray, you pray for just, just different things, your friends, whatever. And can I be honest with you? It was pretty boring. It was pretty boring. And the minutes to me just seemed like hours. It just seemed like I was praying the same stuff over and over again. Then someone said to me, Jim, are you interceding? Now, I just explained to you that what interceding meant, but I was like, interceding? I don't have any seeds. What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? No, 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 Jim. Are you praying for other people? I thought, no, not too much, really. Wow, thanks. And then I found out that not just I wasn't just praying for myself, I was praying for other people, and I realized that I was saying a lot of the same things to God about people that I was saying about myself, and, well, that too became boring and very repetitious. I, I remember thinking, like, poor God. I mean, is he half as bored with my praying as I am? I mean, really. I, felt, I kind of felt bad for him. Then one Sunday, our church, our church bulletin had a prayer calendar in it. I thought, oh, this is great. It, so it gave me 31 days of th different things that I could pray for. Um, but then after like a month or two, I realized I kept saying the same stuff over and over again. You know, it was like, you know, Pray for young people. I'm like, well, God help young people. And you know, pray for poor people. God help poor people. And it just, it just got boring again. I was really getting sad. It really just wasn't working for me. And also, I had a lot of trouble concentrating. Like you, my, my mind is always racing, or like a lot of you. And uh, it just, when I went to pray, it seemed like my mind was in hyperdrive. And, and I kept thinking of all this other stuff. Then I thought, hey, wait a minute. When I grew up, I grew up in a different type of church. I had learned some prayers. And so I thought, well, I know those prayers. I still know them today. And I gave them little thought. And they were uh, repetitious. But I thought, well, you know what? You know I'm sure God thought of me a kid saying those prayers would be okay. So, so maybe I would pray those prayers. So I started to pray those, but I realized I was really not thinking much about what I was saying. Then I had already read through the Bible a few times, the New Testament a few times. And because really when I started as a Christian, I just kept reading and reading and reading. And I remember one time I came to the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 7, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. Vain repetition. That means 
empty and useless. Heathen, those are the people who don't believe in God, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I thought, vain repetition. Jesus, are you talking to me? I'm from New York. You talking to me? I mean, my prayers just seemed so lame. And I remember thinking, was I the only one? So then I began, I joined this thing at the church I was at called a Sunday school class. Some of you don't even know what that is. You said, you know, you would, you, would go to, you would go to Sunday school class before you would go to church. Now sometimes people do it afterwards. A lot of people now just do them in what we call small groups or community groups. And so I was in a, in a class with some more mature Christians than me. And then I remember listening to them pray. And a lot of them were kind of praying the same prayers. Over and over each week they would pray. And they were kind of saying the same thing each week. And there seemed to be a lot of Christian jargon. We sometimes call it Christianese. You know, it's a bunch of words that not everybody understood. And so I'm listening to them pray. I'm not judging them. I'm just like, I wonder what they're saying. It sounds very spiritual. I don't really understand. Then people began to tell me about prayer methods, that there was methods that would make it better. And someone introduced me to, and, I, and I've read a lot of them. I still like this one. Uh, the ACTS prayer model. If you're taking notes, A-C-T-S, A is for adoration. You're, you're praising God for how awesome He is. C is for confession. You confess your sins to God. You ask Him to forgive your sins, and you ask Him for mercy. Uh, T is for thanksgiving. You thank God for for all the blessings in your life and what he has done for you as a follower of Jesus in the person of Jesus Christ. S is for supplication. That's one of those words, right? That's one of those words we don't always understand. And that simply means to bring your requests to God for yourself and for others. Now, I love that model. I love that model. And to some extent, a lot of times when I pray, I'm still very much aware of it. I also find prayer cards helpful, you know, or, or a list maybe to, to kind of remind me uh, what to pray for. But I have to be honest with you, it was still hard for me to engage. I was still having trouble bearing down and concentrating. It, it, it all seemed kind of robotic to me and again boring and and I had to admit what it says in the middle of Romans 8:26 for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought and I really wanted to pray what it says at the end of verse 27 according to the will of God. So I would still talk to people about this. I remember a conversation I had with a, a very elderly gentleman, and I was told that he you know, got up at four in the morning and, and he could pray for an hour, and you know, his family would just, he was the grand grandfather, and they would marvel at him. And, and so he suggested to me uh, that I, I pray the word of God. So I still listen to other people praying in various settings. And I did notice a lot of people throwing 
Bible verses into their prayers. But still, a lot of times it seemed disconnected from exactly what it was that we were praying for. Then I spoke with that man again. And a lightning bolt hit me. And this is what he said. Read the Psalms out loud and make them your prayer. I would learn that this was a practice by many men and women of the faith that had been going on for centuries. I couldn't wait to try it. I was overjoyed to try it. So I started doing that. I started reading the Psalms out loud as if they were a prayer, and I loved it. I, would, I might be reading parts of the Bible, but then I would go and I would read like one, two, or three Psalms a day out loud. And I actually felt like I was talking to God. But to be honest, occasionally I would hit part of the Psalms that were hard and were difficult to pray. For example, Psalm 58.6 says this, Break their teeth in their mouth, O God. What? <laughs> what? Break their teeth in their mouth, O God. That's what we call an imprecatory psalm. They are psalms of God's judgment. Now, some of you say, oh, I could never pray that. Did you ever pray, come Lord Jesus? Because of course I have. Well, every time you pray for the Lord Jesus to come back, you're actually praying for his judgment. But I digress. You see, those kind of psalms were for me very, very difficult but something very important happened. They made me stop and think about what I was actually reading and what I was actually saying. Now, hang that on a hook. This is key to actually think about what you're reading and what you're saying. That's because I came to realize in time that reading the Psalms out loud as prayers can easily become just as boring and routine as my old ways. But what happened was I started reading slower and even stopping at various points and praying what the Word of God actually said. Again, you want to hang that one on a hook. I began actually praying what the Word of God actually said. Here's the key. I would take something like Acts, run it through my mind as I was running through the passage, I would take the concepts of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, praying for my needs and others without necessarily going in any kind of order. And here's the key. As I would go through those passages, I would respond to what God was saying. I would respond to the word of God. 
Again, I didn't realize it, but I was actually putting into practice what was something done, used by many of the ancients and many other people. If you read the Bible carefully, you will hear the prophets doing it. You will hear the apostles doing it. Where all of a sudden, they're, they're praying and the scripture comes into the middle of their praying and it's all sort of connected. It's not disconnected. Think of it this way. What is prayer? People would say, you have to pray. You have to talk to God every day. Now, a conversation was actually happening. Before, it was me talking to God. I was doing all the talking. Then, when I was reading the Psalms, it was like he was doing all the talking. The Bible was doing all the talking. But now, what was happening was, God was speaking through his word, and I began to respond and speak back to him. God's word was, was speaking to me, and then you, like me, can begin to respond. Key word, respond in prayer. And here's the beauty. You never run out of things to pray for. Never. You will find it much easier to engage with the Lord to stay in it, you'll find it much easier to pray biblically. You say, well, but how do you deal with that? Like praying for a couple minutes seems like hours. If you're engaged with God, the reality is you may become more concerned about being late for school or late for work and you might actually need a time not to discipline yourself to spend all that time, but a time that you need to really get on with your day. And I think you will still find yourself in many ways praying for the same thing. So don't feel bad about that. But you will also be adding other things. But also know this, and this to me was the real breakthrough. Your prayers will be real. They will be different. They will be biblical. And you will really sense that you are communing with God. So let's go over a few of the rules. The first rule is the most important rule. The first rule is there are no rules. Feel better now? And... And what's really important to understand is the simpler you keep it. That's what I love about God. He's made this thing so simple for us. You want to become a Christian? You look at Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and you say, I'm trusting in you. Please forgive my sins. That's it. You want to go to heaven? That's it. You want to pray with God? What we're going to talk about tonight is so simple. If you're watching it right now and you're like, I'm eight. You can do this. I'm telling you. I'm six. You can do this. I'm 12. You can do this. I'm 85. You can do this. I'm 104. Did you get the letter from the president? No, I'm just kidding you. You and I can do this. So keep it simple. And the more simple you keep it, the better ex the, experience, the experience will be for you. And this is something you can do for the rest of your life. 
but there's just a few things to keep in mind. The first suggestion I would make to you is to start out with the Psalms. Why? I think because the Psalms are the easiest. If somebody would say, what's second place for me? Maybe Proverbs. Third place, probably the letters of the apostles. But it doesn't matter. Start out with the Psalms, especially because they teach us how to praise God or the adoration of the Acts acronym, which I think a lot of times is the most difficult for people. Uh, I would do it, I would do it after other Bible reading to start with. Read a little bit of the Bible, then go to the book of Psalms. Although in time, I think you will learn to do this with almost any passage in the Bible. And if you come across one and you're like, it's not working for me, then go back to the Psalms. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. Now, there's some questions that I know that some of you have. Here they are. Let me try to answer some of them for you. Uh, Pastor Jim, I don't know the Bible. No worries. No worries. If you don't understand a verse, skip it and move on. I got to say that one again. If you don't understand a verse, skip it and move on. Now, maybe you're with a group of people. You've decided you're going to try this. You say, let's try what Pastor Jim was telling us about. And maybe you're the group leader. It's okay to pick a psalm, and it's okay to just read through it a few times yourself and just pick the easier verses to understand and skip the other, and, and skip the other ones. Just say, well, let's read verse 2. Now let's jump down to verse 5. That's perfectly okay. Why? Because the rules are, there are no rules. So, so don't concern yourself with that. So again, if you're leading a group, pick the easier ones. Here's what's very important. You got to go back to what we talked about in Romans. Trust, trust that the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus are praying for you. They're making intercession for you as you're praying, and they are leading you in prayer. Very, very important. Again, I would refer you to, to some of the prayers of, of, of the apostles that you see in their letters. Uh, you can even see it in some in the book of Acts as they are being led by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God in prayer. Now, here's a, here's a question you might have. But what if I start to pray something that's not in the verse? What's the rules? There are no rules. That's okay. Trust that the Lord is leading you to pray that. Here, here's a big one. I know that a lot of you have this question. But what if I have a sinful thought while I'm praying? Now, come on now, you know that's happened to many of you. It's happened to all of us. You have a sinful thought while you're praying. What do you do? You confess your sin. Adoration, confession, remember? You confess your sin to God. You look at the cross and you trust and believe that the Lord forgives your sin. And then what do you do? You move on. Trusting 
that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are praying for you and still leading you. What happens if I don't get through the whole psalm? That's okay. Why is it okay? Because there are no rules. I have a very high-tech solution what I, what I do when, when I don't get through the whole psalm or something, actually just in general, Bible reading in general. I just buy those little tiny stickies and I put one on the page that I'm on and then I take another one and I draw an arrow on it and I just put it on where I left off. And that's where I'll begin the next day. Because you may be in one or two verses for a long time. That's, or maybe that's, and you're starting out, that's all you're really doing. Fine. You, you might not have a lot of time. Fine. Don't worry about it if you don't get through it. I think sometimes we're rushing through things so quickly that we're not getting anything out of it. But what if my mind wanders? Well, some of you have heard me say this before. I keep generally two pads around me. One is what I think God is saying, and one is all these stupid stuff I remember. You know how you can never remember what to do until you start to pray, and then all of a sudden your mind is like crystal clear. And so I keep two pads, and I write down the other stuff and keep it, get it out of my wandering mind and onto a piece of paper and think, well, I'll, I'll just deal with it later. You have to find what works, and you have to stay at it, until it doesn't work, and then you have to adapt. But let me tell you something. This does work. This does work. Again, and in time, you may find you're able to do it in almost any passage of the Bible. I just do it this way. I'll just read a passage. I will maybe underline or circle something or highlight something. And then when I'm done reading, I will go back and I will pray about that verse or the, maybe those words or whatever I felt God was leading me to pray in regards to that passage. And then you just keep doing that. Trusting the Lord is leading you. That's so important to trust as you're reading the Bible that the Lord is reading, leading you as you're reading. Now, don't stop, because right now we are at the most important part of the message. Turn to Psalm 1. It is so very important what we're going to do right now. It's not much longer, but this is the life-changing part. I've given you a few, a little my own story, a few little principles, but this is what's life-changing. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. I'm going to read a verse, and then I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and think about that verse. Now, if you're alone with God, you would probably read the verse, maybe circle some words or look at the verse again, and, and then you would have your eyes open so you would be able to see it. So I will, in fact, become your eyes for you. But this is where what's important now is not that you listen it's that you participate. What's important now is that you pray, and this is going to be a little weird for you, but I bet you in 10, 15 minutes, you're going to be like, this is the simplest thing I've ever heard of or thought of or did in my life. And I felt like I really talked to God. Now, I find it easier to focus with a pen. And also, you might want to buy a 
a cheap five to eight dollar Bible because it, you, you're constantly marking it up for what you're praying that day. You don't have to. It's up to you. But one thing you want to do is you want to be marking down keywords or phrases or at least focusing deeply on the verse. So let's read verse one. Psalm 1.1. One, one. See, we're starting right at the beginning. We're getting off to a good start. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Close your eyes. He begins, Blessed is the man or the woman. Take a minute and thank God that he blesses. Take a moment and pray that you would be that blessed man or woman. Now, right now, I just want you to think of two or three people. Wherever God lays on your heart and pray that they would be the blessed man or woman. The verse goes on, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Pray for yourself that, that you would be influenced by God and not the ungodliness of this world. Thank God. Thanksgiving. Thank God for, for providing godly counsel in the word of God and, and from some of your friends. Confess to God and ask him to forgive you if you know that you've recently walked in the counsel of the ungodly. Pray for the godliness of people you know. Pray for the godliness of the leaders of our nation and of your church and of, if you're a kid, of your parents. If you're a parent, pray for your children that they won't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. They won't listen to them and do what they say. And the verse ends, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Not sure what that means, scornful. Skip it. Move on. Maybe jot down later, you know, scornful. Look up in dictionary and write the definition of it in the margin of your Bible or something like that. 
If you know what it means to sit in the seat of the scornful, that you don't want to sit there, let the Lord lead you in prayer. All right, let's lift our heads up. Let's go to verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Okay? Heads down, eyes closed. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Thank God for his word. Pray to God that he would help you delight in his word. Think of someone you know, a friend whose faith is dry or a child who seems to be walking away from God. Whatever it is, your spouse, your friends, whatever it is, just let God lay one or two or three people on your heart right now and pray they would delight in the law of the Lord. He goes on and he says, and in his law he meditates day and night. Again, think of someone and pray that that they would love the word of God more than than television, more than social media, more than sin. Pray that for yourself. You see, it's a wonderful thing when you pray for other people like this. You can actually say to someone and say, you know, I was praying for you the other day. What was it about? Oh, just praying for you, man. Verse 3. Put your heads up. Let's read it. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So he says, put your head down and pray. He says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in season. Pray for someone you know to be planted deep in God and refreshed by him. Pray that for yourself. He says it brings forth its fruit in due season. Thank God that he makes his people fruitful. He says, whose leaf also shall not wither. Pray for someone in your life or even yourself. If your faith is just withering, it's drying up, you know it's happening. Oh, you, you can play the game. They can play the game. But pray for them. Thank God and praise Him for His sustaining grace that keeps, 
people from withering. And he finishes the verse, and whatever he does shall prosper. Pray for the prosperity, prosperity, which in the Bible really means the spiritual well-being of people. Or maybe pray for specific needs that, that you have or others have. Who do you know who's spiritually sick? Think of that person right now and pray for them. Think of someone who has needs and pray for them. Think of what you have and pray for those needs. Verse 4 says, let's look up. The, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Now, keep your heads up. Let's just say, you know, like, I don't know what that means. Keep going. Move on. God is leading you, maybe because that's not for you today. Don't worry about it. Don't give it a second thought. Keep moving. Let's read verse 5. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Heads down. Eyes closed. Again, I'm going fast. You can go much slower. He says, therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. That means they won't be able to stand in the judgment before God. Think about people you know who you know won't be able to stand before God in that time. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Pray for people that you know are not part of the congregation of the righteous. Maybe on this verse you just want to underline four words as you're reading it. You want to just think about ungodly and judgment and sinners. And say, oh God, please no. And you want to think of being righteous and begging God that you would be righteous, that others you know would be. That his righteousness would take root in our land. Let's look up verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Eyes closed. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, Thank God for that. That, that. that he knows all who have put their trust in him, that they've been made righteous in his sight, and he knows every little detail of your life. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. If you are a Christian, pray for the ungodly people you know you're not a Christian, ask God to save you. Well, let's all stand and pray. Lord, I thank you that we thank you 
that the blessed man or woman can delight in you and can be firmly planted in you. We thank you that such a man or woman can be fruitful and prosperous and not wither and not be blown away by the wind. We pray for the ungodly that we know that will not be able to make it through your judgment and into heaven that they would turn to you and put their trust in you. We are so thankful that you know the way of the righteous, that they are the ones who've put their trust in you, and we pray for those who haven't. And Lord, we pray that you would invigorate us in prayer in our relationship with you and that our relationship with you would be real and authentic. And we pray that anyone joining us right now who has never put their trust in the Lord Jesus and therefore won't make heaven, that they would turn from their direction they're going now, the ungodly, unrighteous ways, they would turn to you and put their trust in Jesus right now and that they would join the congregation of the righteous. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.